More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We have Stephen Miller with us now, former senior White House advisor and a man who knows policy, both legal and border and everything in between, like the back of his hand. Stephen, thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you so much. Great to be here today. So we've got Homeland Security Committee field hearing today going on down in uh in texas democrats as i understand it have pulled out of this at the last minute and they're saying for example this is representative mark green who talked about how there's an app where you if you're an illegal who comes into america right now you fill out the app and you get parole as soon as you fill it out play it why would Secretary Mayorkas want to do away with the judiciary? Why would he want to subvert laws written by this body, the, con- the Congress? It's because they want more people to come into the country. And now their solution is an app where whomever fills it out just automatically gets parole when they show up at the crossing site. That is in total contravention to what the laws passed by Congress about how people are to enter this country. I can see it now. Some drug cartel coyote. Hey! For an additional fee, we'll fill the app out for you. Is there really an app for that, Stephen? There most certainly is. And Chairman Green explained it correctly when he said this whole administration's objective is to get as many people into the country as possible. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. Anybody who's been following this for two years understands that. In 2020, it was the policy of the Trump administration, and I know because I implemented that policy, to detain and deport all illegal border crossers. So we would meet on a regular basis with the whole management structure of CBP, Border Patrol, and ICE to reiterate this over and over and over again. If you apprehend an illegal immigrant, you use every single available policy tool at your disposal. Under no circumstances are they allowed to leave a detained setting to be able to walk freely on U.S. soil. And so we saw, as a result, record low numbers in 2020. Biden comes in in 2021, and he changes the policy 
from detain and deport to catch and release. And it's not even just release, it's resettle. I mean, you see people, as we all know, particularly unaccompanied minors, being flown to the destination of their choice in the United States. So the government is resettling illegal immigrants in the country. This new application is a way of expediting that process so you can be an intending illegal immigrant, you can go onto the smartphone application. By the way, the fact that you have a smartphone also demonstrates that you're um, definitely not in the kinds of dire straits that are often portrayed. You, you fill out the application and you show up at a port of entry and you get admitted into the United States of America to live the rest of your life here. And these are overwhelmingly going to be individuals who do not have a high school education or the equivalent of one in the United States. They do not have the kinds of um, professional skills that are going to make them um, financially self-sufficient. So it's going to be an incredible burden on the U.S. taxpayer who's going to have to subsidize free housing, free education, free welfare, free food, and so on and so forth for decades to come. Stephen, you know, the latest from Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz uh, earlier this morning and his testimony is that there have been approximately 385,000 known gotaways, not to include unknown gotaways, there's a lot of those too, since the fiscal year in October of 2023. So we're looking at approximately, this is according to Border Biden's Border Patrol Chief, says that there are 1.4 million gotaways since the start of fiscal year 21. 1.4 million. Not, that's not including, as we know, the whatever it is now, 6 or 7 million who have just come into the country and gamed the system. Who's Who are choosing to just let everyone know in this audience, because you, you know these numbers, you know this reality. Who are the people who are choosing to be gotaways when they could just otherwise surrender, right? I mean, there's something going on here. Yes, well, very much so. And so... Um the hearing had a lot of explosive revelations, and I did watch the hearing in its entirety today, and that was indeed one of them. So the number of gotaways, of course, can, we can only measure what we call known gotaways. And as you mentioned, almost 400,000 just in this fiscal year alone. And, and there's this other number that I would estimate personally is at least as many as the known number of gotaways. And these are the ones that you don't even know that they escaped versus the ones that you can estimate escaped because of uh, drone footage and sensor technology, uh, footpaths, visual observation, things of that nature. And so um, who are these people? Why are they evading? So as you mentioned, there are an enormous number of people who are turn-ins or surrenders. This would include almost all family units are going to be turn-ins. Uh, all minors, in most cases, are going to be turn-ins because they get automatic resettlement, uh, so people 17 and younger. And then many nationalities that know that there's no deportation to their home country uh, are going to be turning in as well, too. So the gotaways are going to have among them two groups primarily. One, which is pretty straightforward, are going to be Mexican nationals, just because um, for them it's a zero-cost proposition. You know, you run away, you get caught, you get sent back, you try again. So you just you keep trying until you get in. Uh, and then the other group, though, is going to be, which will, of course, include some Mexican nationals, are going to be people who have criminal records, whether in their home countries or in the United States, who have multiple previous deportations, which, although I don't think this administration would apply it, which can trigger a felony prosecution, are going to be, of course, a huge category here, are going to be actively smuggling or transporting narcotics or contraband into the United States. And then, of course, 
sex trafficking and labor trafficking and things of that nature. So you have within that group an enormous amount of criminal activity. And that now is all inside of the United States and every state and every city uh, all throughout the country. We're speaking to Stephen Miller, former senior advisor to uh, President Donald Trump. Stephen, um, you may have seen this as well, that the the DEA now, according to reporting uh, by Fox News, DEA is aware that there are Mexican pharmacies that are selling pills that are laced with fentanyl. So now it's we've known for a while that the cartels will try to press pills to look like pharmaceutical grade uh, pills and, and then people overdose and there's no quality control and the whole thing is, is a disaster for the American people. But Mexican pharmacies are selling this stuff. And of course, it's getting across the border to us. What can we do about this? Well, then of course they are, because the cartels have operational control of vast swaths of territory. And if you don't go along with their program, you're going to be killed. So uh, if they want pharmacies to uh, to manufacture this drug and distribute it in the United States, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, what you do, of course, is, is exactly what we did do in 2020, and then what President Trump has further proposed doing, which obviously is you need to treat the cartels as, a, as an unlawful enemy combatant with all that that entails. And then you also need the United States Navy uh, to blockade the seas where the drugs are being transported into Mexico from areas further to the south, including, of course, uh, South America. And the, uh, the United States Border Patrol needs to have a policy of 100% deportation and, where applicable, 100% prosecution. And so you have the place completely sealed up in between ports of entry, and then you have the military engaging with the cartels to do what would need to be done in terms of kinetic activity. And at the end of the day, we just have to realize that there's not a single foreign threat on the face of the earth that comes even close to these cartels in terms of the loss of American life. No one, no one even approaches it. No one even gets close. And yet... The United States military is engaged in nation-building activities and, and purportedly peacekeeping activities all throughout the planet. And our southern border is where the greatest threat emanates and lies. It is untouched. In fact, it is actively aided by this administration. Stephen, how can we address the issue of uh, the asylum claims that are being made and, and the open door that that has created uh, what would be, you know, what is within statute or within the executive branch's discretion? We know Biden's not going to do this, right? This is more of a look toward 2024 when maybe there'll be an administration, hopefully, that will decide to do something about this. But how how can the false asylum loophole be closed? It's actually very straightforward to do. So one of the common misconceptions that people have um, and that is repeated out of an item by, by many, is that anyone who enters the country illegally has a, quote, right to make an asylum claim and then to be released if that claim is deemed to be plausible or credible in some way. Uh, that is not true. In fact, there are multiple tools that already exist in federal law that would invalidate those claims. The One of those, of course, is Title 42, which was pioneered and implemented by the Trump administration and invalidated hundreds of thousands of asylum claims. Uh, 
Right. That's the pandemic authority, right? That's the C- that's the CDC pandemic. You can't right. come in here authority. Right. And so that authority is a is a um, is a particularly broad grant of executive authority. Then, so we use that, for example, Title Forty Two. We use that to solve the problem of unaccompanied minors. So when we would get a minor from, say, or say, fifteen or sixteen minors, sixteen, seventeen years old from Haiti, that uh, under the current administration would be sent to HHS, Health and Human Services, and then relocated wherever they want to go, be it you know New York, Cincinnati, Los Angeles, what have you. Uh, we would call the local government in Haiti and we would say, "Get your social workers ready. We've got a plane coming in tomorrow with seventeen minors." And we would use Title 42 to do that, and, and it would work quite seamlessly, and the numbers drop to almost nothing. Uh, then you have what's called safe third agreements, which in statute it says, and it's there in black and white, that, that one of the categorical bars to asylum eligibility is if another country is willing to take you. So you could even be eligible for asylum, like fully eligible, and even then, by any definition. So you could be somebody who, who has a rock-solid claim, which, of course, you basically never see on the southern border, but just hypothetically, and you still wouldn't be able to get asylum in the United States because another country has agreed to take you. So when we left the White House in 2020, we had safe third agreements with all three Northern Triangle countries, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. And so anyone who applied for asylum, we could just say to them, your claim is not receivable in the United States. You can choose to withdraw it and go home, or you can choose to be flown to Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador, and you can apply for asylum in one of those countries. Because the thing to remember about asylum is that the whole premise of it is that you're being politically persecuted in your home country. It's not an escape hatch from violence or from poverty. If Half the world is living in one of those two conditions or both at any given moment in time. So if you are asking for asylum, all that means is you want to go somewhere where you're not going to be politically persecuted. So if you've invented some fantastical tale of political persecution in Haiti, then it's, okay, great. Well, whoever's persecuting you in Haiti, I'm sure, doesn't live in Guatemala, so by all means, go there. And that is a, that is a complete solution to the asylum fraud issue. So I would just say that in 2025, you, number one, you put in place a robust network of safe third agreements all over the country, and then you get Congress to amend Title 42 to be a a catch-all authority uh, for border management and not just tied to public health. Stephen Miller, everybody, the guy knows the border backwards and forwards and something we need to fix. Stephen, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. I've been supporting this organization for years and have witnessed the impact they've had helping people who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our country, defending freedom. This year alone, hundreds of Gold Star and Fallen First Responder families with young children and our nation's most catastrophically injured veterans are receiving mortgage-free homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year. More than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. It's all because of your continued generosity in support of this great foundation. It's also important that we never forget. This coming Memorial Day, Tunnel to Towers is reading the names of the brave men and women who've lost, we've lost since 9-11 at a ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. 
That's T2T.org. Inspiring you to seek out the truth. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So important that everyone understands what's going on at the border. Um, I, I thought it was. It's fascinating to talk to Stephen Miller about that, just because of the the all the interlocking layers, and you have to understand both the depth of the failure of the Biden administration on this issue and the desire for that failure from the Biden administration. So it's going terrible. This is an unusual thing. When when it is going terribly by all measures, by all indicators, and the people in charge are happy about it. That's gen- Now, I know some of you are saying, oh, they want to collapse the economy and everything else. Uh, Nancy Pelosi likes being rich. She wants to, they want to collapse the economy for you, but they want to make sure that, you know, they destroy the entire U.S. currency. I got news for you. We've all got uh, a lot of problems. That reminds me, um, for the ancient, uh, the ancient history, uh, folks out there, we have to come up with a better term than calling people who like history nerds. We're not nerds. We're history athletes, you know, history cool people. Um, but the, uh, the coinage of the, this is famous. And if you go to, uh, in, you know, lectures from the, you know, the Mises Institute and you go about Milton Friedman fans and everything else. 
ancient Rome at its absolute height of power would have been now some people are going to argue with me about this but essentially the the reign of the emperor caesar augustus um that would be when you reach its absolute peak and that's when you had uh, around then roughly you had the coinage of the denarius or denarii i guess is what the plural would be which was the roman silver coin actually i think the the coinage of the denarius started uh well before that, but it reached its, you know, the, the Roman Empire reached its total peak and they were having these, uh, they minted these silver coins, the denarius, and it went from being, I think, 100% pure silver over the course of a couple of hundred years to, you know, 70% silver, 50% silver, and then by the end it was like five. History aficionados, producer Ali says. I don't know, that makes us sound fancy. Like we're lighting $100 bills on fire with our fancy cigars talking about history. Although maybe that's cool. If you were starting a history club, that might be a good way to go. But the, the denarius, uh, was debased as a precious metal coin over the course. This is the bottom line. Okay. I'm, I'm just going from memory here. So pardon me if I'm getting some of the dates. I think they might have even started coinage of the denarius during the second Punic war. One of the most fascinating, um, military historical periods you could ever find Hannibal crossing the Alps people always talk about all the elephants he crossed with actually didn't cross with very many because the elephants died because it turns out they don't really want to be in the uh, you know the European Alps for very long anyway but the coinage was destroyed and the Roman Empire essentially collapsed along with it but you know what they made sure to do the whole time to pay the bureaucrats and to pay the military that was the one thing that they knew they had to keep doing and raise their pay and raise their pay. So the bureaucrats and the people that work for the state, that kept getting, and the military, because you need to control the population, they kept getting their pay raised over time. There are lessons from history about inflation, my friends. Uh, the U.S. dollar, if it were backed by silver, I could tell you it would not be a pretty situation. I've got plans this Sunday, going to the range with my brothers. We're going to be shooting all kinds of fun stuff out there, working on our skills, but... I want to make sure I get out there and I'm not, you know, pulling my shots left or flinching right when I do the trigger pull. So I've been dry fire practicing with the Mantis X system at home. If you're a gun owner and you want to keep your skills sharp, this is a great device to do it. Mantis X is a firearms training system that has no ammo and all electronic. It's a way to improve your shooting accuracy. It attaches to your weapon like a light and it connects to an app on your phone via Bluetooth. You get real-time data and feedback on your technique. Not only that, the Mantis X includes courses that will help your aim. You'll notice a difference after using it for just 20 minutes. This product is now being used by U.S. military and special forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com. Always be wary when the left is making an argument along the lines of, Why are you making such a big deal of it? Why are you so focused on this? You're obsessed with this. It doesn't happen that often. We're not pushing this. This tells us more about you than it does about our agenda. Think any version of that. Uh, It's just gaslighting, which is very common these days. And they're doing it on a range of issues. But the place where you'll see it, I think, in... The most uh, obvious, the most obvious cases would be on issues of gender, what they're now calling gender equality. 
um, or the transgender agenda, right? So we have up in Vermont, and, and I always say this, Vermont is for me a place that we, we should have seen this coming and, and should have done something to keep, well, to prevent Vermont from becoming the, uh, left wing haven in New England that it is. A lot of people from New York, New Jersey and Connecticut who had very leftist tendencies figured, well, you know, I can get more land and cheaper, cheaper cost of living, et cetera. I'll move to Vermont. So, you know, Bernie Sanders, for example, a Brooklynite New Yorker who moved to and now is the senator from Vermont. It's a beautiful state. I, I love it. I used to spend summers there. Uh, I used to go to camp in Vermont. So I think Vermont's lovely. Uh, well, in the summers, at least. I've never been in the winter. I'm not a skier, so it's not as appealing to me. But Vermont has a situation unfolding. The Mid-Vermont Christian School, um, a few weeks ago, its high school basketball team forfeited a playoff game. You all know where this is going. The Christian school, Mid-Vermont Christian school, forfeited the playoff game because the opposing team had a transgender player, as in a teenage, uh, you know, an adolescent male who wants to play against women's basketball players. Or, you know, teenage girl basketball players. I'm not sure if they're, you know, they could be 18, they could be 16. I think it's, uh, if they're varsity, they're probably older. Anyway, so we'll say roughly 16 to 18 years of age is what we're talking about here. And, and uh, by the way, any of you who have, who, well, I was going to say who have kids, but just anybody who has, has eyes knows that by the time boys get to 13, 14 years old and, and puberty, uh, hits their strength, speed, musculature, everything is very different from girls, right? So it's, you know, at at uh, earlier ages, the differences are still pronounced, but are not, you know, super pronounced. And then they get into their teenage years, and all of a sudden, um, it's quite different. I mean, as any guy who played high school sports knows, if you then went to college and, you know, scrimmaged on like a co-ed team and you came up against, you know, all American women in your sport, you realize men have a huge advantage over women, right? Even that, I just mean in a recreational setting. Um, so here's where we are. The Mid-Vermont Christian School said they would not participate in this game, and now they have to be punished, you see. This is heresy in the Democrat stronghold of Vermont. You're not allowed um, and this is, they're saying this is a violation of gender discrimination. So the school, this Christian school has had its affiliation in the athletic league that it is in canceled. They say that the uh, mid Vermont Christian school violated the organization's policies against gender discrimination. And they say they're no longer able to be members in this league. Uh, so this just goes to show you how committed the left is to this. It's not enough. Remember, they just forfeited. So they're not even taking action beyond saying, look, we're just not going to play against a trans. We're not going to play against the team that has a transgender student. Look, I I'm a 41 year old man. If I decided that I was actually an eighth grader and that I wanted to play eighth grade basketball, I would hope 
I would hope that all of the parents on that eighth grade basketball team that I was going to play against would say, this is not fair, this is crazy, and we're not going to allow it. We're not going to allow it. I mean, I remember I used to make the argument many years ago that, and I'm talking about 2000 when I first started in radio, so 12, gosh, 12 years ago now, maybe uh, 10, 11 years ago, I said, what about transgender? Because this was when the beginnings of the transgender athlete thing was becoming really really uh, a a debate. So what about uh, combative sports? What about MMA? And sure enough, within a short period after having these discussions, and by the way, the left then, their gaslighting then was, that'll never happen. Nobody will want to do that. There's no transgender man who wants to fight against women in the MMA. Actually, there are. And in one case, uh, the individual just just watching the fight between the the biological man and the women in the, in the cage. I mean, it's horrific. It's wrong. It's unethical. It's gross. And yet the left, they, they won't budge on this stuff. Their argument is crazy, so they're going to keep making crazy arguments. In fact, they don't even really have an argument. What is the argument here? That there's gender... Discri- you have gender-segregated sports, but it's gender discrimination to insist that the gender-segregated sports are actually segregated by gender. That is what is happening in Vermont right now. The the Vermont you know, Athletic Association involved, the state of Vermont, the Democrat apparatus there, they're all in favor of punishing this team. This, of course, is a Christian school, too, which is great. That gets extra, extra points for slapping down a Christian school. You know, that gets the left really excited godless commies so you look at this and you say what exactly are the rules i mean i'm I'm just wondering and the the state of vermont right now um and the you know looking at that the vermont i'm trying to find the name of this uh this entity that is uh banning them whatever but uh the vpa vermont public athletic association i guess i don't know something like that no, the Vermont Principals Association. The Vermont Principals Association. Um, their official policy is that if you live in the state of Vermont and uh, and an 18-year-old boy wants to play um, basketball against your 18-year-old daughter, if she has a problem with that, she better shut up. And if she gets an elbow to the face from this, you know, from this guy and is, you know, swinging his elbows around, he's got, you know, the... The, the probably a little bit of a beard growing that's her problem you, you notice they always try to make this about kindness but actually what they're doing is trying to rely on the desire that people who who are traditional in their view of gender to be kind so that the people on the left can do vicious things this is wrong this is absurd it's also a slap in the face to women's athletics what what is the point of this Right. What is the what is the rationale behind it exactly? As you know, it's the eradication of gender. And even more than that, it is to force you to bend the knee to insanity. If they can make you affirm obvious lies, they can make you believe and affirm anything. They own you psychologically if they can make you say, hey, there's no problem here. So it's an 18 year old guy that decided he was a woman. I don't know, a few months ago. And he wants to play against women's basketball. This is great. This is progress. And by the way, there are a lot of Democrat parents. 
who go along with this. A lot of Biden voters go along with this because that is what the herd demands of them. But yeah, up in Vermont right now, that's what you're up against. We're also going to talk uh, in the third hour, by the way, about Wellesley College. It's a women's college. But is it, though? Is it a women's college? Because the, the students there want it to be open to uh, not only um, transgender women, but non-binary individuals. Which I feel like that leaves a lot of it's a lot of open territories, isn't it? We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about this. Oh yes. Oh, and also Lindsey Graham had some thoughts on what we should do about Russian planes. Um, I, South Carolina. I love South Carolina. It's one of, one of my favorite states to visit. South Carolina Republican voters. We got to have a talk about Lindsey Graham. Okay. We we got to have a discussion about this. March fifteenth today. We're about a month away from tax day, which is Tuesday, April eighteenth, as you know. There's no shortage of early filers looking for their tax refund check. Included in that group are scammers filing phony tax returns ahead of those intending to get theirs filed by April 18th. The scammers use data they've obtained in online identity thefts to score a refund check before a rightful owner is able to get their refund. The IRS doesn't know. They're processing refunds as quickly as they come in. But this phony filing of a tax return is another example of what happens when your online identity gets stolen. Your best protection is LifeLock. They monitor the web 24-7, looking through billions of data points, looking for suspicious activity in your name. When they spot it, they're in touch with you immediately to correct it. If you find yourself a victim, LifeLock assigns a U.S.-based restoration specialist to help you. It can save you hours and hours of time and so much frustration. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. I have it. I recommend you do, too. Join now. Save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to lifelock.com and use my name, BUCK, that's B-U-C-K as the promo code, for 25% off. The Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives with cool content, surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. 
On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Lindsey Graham had some thoughts on the collision of a uh, Russian fighter jet. Saw something that said it like dumped oil or I don't know. Anyway, it messed with a Reaper drone, brought down the drone, and we have uh, Lindsey Graham weighing in. On, on this situation. Can we play Mr. Uh, Senator Graham's comments on this one? They shot down our drone. What should our answer be? Well, we should hold them accountable and say that if you ever get near another uh, U.S. set flying in international waters, your airplane would be shot down. What would Ronald Reagan do right now? He would start shooting Russian planes down if they were threatening our assets. American foreign policies in free fall. Oh, boy. He had to start shooting Russian planes down. Just see how that one goes. Just start shooting those planes out of the sky. Look, I get it, right? There is a uh, a provocation here, the Russians, but it is a drone. We did not have loss of life. And we have to be very, uh, very serious about how we view the long-term consequences of these things. I just think the problem with trying to prevent a slide into massive conflict in a situation like Ukraine is that there's an inherent incrementalism. And the other side, the people that want more and more involvement, use that to their advantage. It's, oh, what's the big deal? We're just going to do a little more. We're just going to send a little bit more. More advanced weapon systems. More of those systems. More intelligence support. More, you name it. We're not going to, we're not going to get to this point that you're worried about. But the problem is, you have a momentum to these conflicts. And once you start getting too far involved in the first place, it is the unexpected. It's kind of like how the economy can just all of a sudden almost fall off a cliff, right? Well, there are the systemic issues that you talk about. Hey, guys, the debt, inflation, we're spending too much. We have too much inflation, or rather, we have, we have too much debt, and, and the inflation problem is going to get worse. But you hear that every day and people go, ah, you know, they'll figure it out, I guess. And they'll, you know, tune it out. You get used to paying, you know, higher prices for all these different things in the stores and you figure it'll eventually it'll go away. Um, but so people tune it out. I think that there's a lot of tuning out of the voices that are saying, what are we doing in Ukraine exactly? There is no chance this conflict is going to end on its own because of a Russian battlefield defeat. Before the next election. I mean, in my mind, it is, it is a fantasy to think that that's going to happen. And, and in fact, we could see, depending on how the next six months go, you could see some pretty substantial territorial losses by the Ukrainian uh, defenders. I, I don't know. I don't pretend to be able to 
uh, assess the battlefield moves that are going on here. This is not a conflict that I've seen up close and personal myself, as other conflicts I have. Uh, certainly from a strategic, you know, analyst level. Uh, and so I look at this and I say, well, when are we going to say that there are some things? Right now, the the red line seems to be that we won't put U.S. troops in harm's way. Is that the only thing that we won't do? Because if we're going to keep sending $100 billion a year, and if we're going to have senators... Remember, Lizzie Graham also said maybe somebody could just take Putin out. I, I, I don't understand... I don't understand why Republicans listen to this man on foreign policy issues. I've never heard him say anything that wasn't, yeah, hold them accountable and do something aggressive. All right, well, one, is is it actually going to result in accountability? By the way, the answer is no. Putin doesn't care. But two, the notion that we would start shooting Russian planes and pilots out of the sky over an incident like this is reckless it's a reckless thing to say it's it's a it's a foolish thing to say uh and i i watch some of the republican voices on this on this issue and you heard you you, or i should say you saw what trump put out and what desantis put out on ukraine which i think were even-handed and and nuanced on both counts I think that there was uh, a sensibility. Trump is like, we got to negotiate this thing. We got to get it done as mu- as quickly as we can. We got to stop the bullets from flying, the missiles from flying over there. DeSantis's position, in summary, is more: we just got to make sure that this doesn't become a huge problem for America. We got to focus on our own issues here on the southern border and limit our involvement in what's going on in Ukraine. But I hear other Republicans say, if if Russia loses in, I'm sorry, if uh, if Ukraine loses and Russia were to um, take, I don't know, half the country or maybe all the country under into its domain, that the next step would be a Russian invasion of Poland and trigger Article 5 of NATO. And I hear this and I say, how? Look at the trouble that Russia is having in Ukraine, which I would note is a territorial and strategic interest of the Russian Federation in a very real way. This is not make, they didn't just decide this recently. That, that's been the case for a long time. Not saying the invasion is anything other than, uh, wrong morally and, and belligerent, but it matters to Russia and has mattered to Russia every single day since the collapse of the Soviet Union. This has never been a, oh, it's not a big deal for us thing. Um, the future of Ukraine. And this idea that they would go and invade Poland next, how is that? I mean, if you're if you're having trouble winning the high school JV basketball game, but maybe you're able to sort of squeak it out in the end, then you're going to take on an NBA team next. I mean, I, I just I don't understand the logic of this position at all, other than it tries to silence people who say we should be very cautious about getting too into this conflict in Europe. That isn't they, they keep saying there's a, a a core American interest at stake here. What exactly is that? The future of Ukrainian regime, the future of the Ukrainian regime is a core American interest. I, I'm not saying I'm not open to hearing about this stuff from the other side of the debate, but let's not just throw around we're going to shoot Russian planes out of the sky. I am asking that. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.